The Healthy Charleston podcast is brought to you by Made to Move Physical Therapy. Made to Move Physical Therapy specializes in helping you get out of pain and get back to doing what you love. We offer relationship-oriented, one-on-one, individualized care to all of our clients, and we believe in putting the patient's needs first. If you'd like to work with me or any of our other physical therapists at Made to Move, check out the link in the show notes and get 10% off of your first session. We have locations throughout Charleston, Mount Pleasant, West Ashley, Somerville, and Daniel Island. Don't waste another day stuck in your pain. Follow the link and schedule an appointment today. Welcome to the Healthy Charleston Podcast, where we help you take ownership of your health and fitness. My name is Hannah, and I am here to be your source of accurate health and fitness information while spreading awareness about all of the different health and fitness resources available to you in the Charleston area. Be sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. I hope you enjoy the show. I have been looking forward to recording this episode for a while now. I know I'm not alone when I say that I have a bit of a girl crush on this awesome woman. Allison Forbes is a trainer, coach, yogi, musician, and overall just a really great person. And before we started recording today, she told me that she wanted to fully open up and tell her full, raw, unedited story of finding yoga, finding herself, breaking down her walls, finding her passion for music, and how she's grown in the past few years. So before we start, please subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And with that, here's Allison Forbes. All right, everyone. I'm really excited for today's episode. It took a little while to get this person on, mostly because of my schedule, but I finally get to know her and get to learn her story while y'all get to learn her story. So Allison Forbes, welcome. Thank you. I feel like you're famous around here. Well, you're about to be for sure. Allison, can you tell us a little bit more about what you do in Charleston? Yeah, I am a trainer at Ethos Athletic Club, and I also used to teach the Rush classes, and I teach actually all the classes that are provided at Ethos. So we have a Rush class, which is a HIIT class, yoga, and then we have a line, which is like yoga and kettlebells. And then me and Katie just started a new class called Mind Work, which is like meditation and journaling. Yeah, I th- saw that. I thought it sounded awesome. It's my dream class. Yeah. I've been wanting to do something like that for years. Yeah. So you've been involved with Ethos for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me about like you have your own business, but you are you work at Ethos. Like tell me about all of that and how that got started. Yeah. I came to Charleston to be an intern at the Citadel and Joey Welling graduated from the Citadel. <laughs> and um, I went and worked at a corporate gym. O2 Fitness, which used to be East Shore Athletic Club, and I hated it. <laughs> Did you know Elliot worked there too? Did Elliot I worked at O2 we... in like PT school, and he would like text us and try to get us to come work out with him yeah. as clients. Yeah. And look at him now. I think Fig also worked there. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, it was awful. Um, like weird ass shit, like where like if you were on the floor, like you couldn't wear a jacket. Yeah, like you had to wear like black pants Mm -hmm. and like your name tag. And like I would always forget my name tag. And like they hated you for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not really good at like following people. (laughs) What do you mean? Like listening to people? Listening to people. Yeah, I could. Yeah. Like early on, I think my dad told me like 
you're not going to work well if you have a boss. Yeah. <laughs> like, be better, your own boss. Better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Create your own path. Yeah. So yeah, I hated it at East Shore Athletic Club and my coaches and my mentors and my bosses from Citadel were like, well, hey, like you need to meet Joey Welling. And he would like text me at least like once a month, like telling him to come like to his gym and like how it was so much better. But I was terrified because you had to bring in your own clientele. So like at East Shore, like you're just given all these clients because they just walk in the door. Um, And ethos was and i always say the name wrong and everyone's gonna judge me exemplar oh exemplar exemplar right yeah so i always say exemplar so does ellie okay cool yeah you're not and i was like no exemplar 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 fitness exemplar fitness yeah Yeah, so exemplar in my life (laughs) was um a very small tiny tiny little boutique gym And I was just like, dude, there's no way I can bring my own clients in there. And then I finally got fed up enough that I just left and came to Joey's. And then you found your own people, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was just that like, oh my God, oh my God, I can't fear, fear, fear. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, jump. I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then everything works out. (laughs) It usually does, right? (laughs) Yeah. I think fear has definitely ruled my life a lot of times. And then I just take a breath and I remind myself – Every time you've jumped, you've been even better on the other side. Every time you've jumped, you've been okay. You might have like taken a few steps back, but then you went and hopped like 15 steps forward. Yeah. Like maybe you sprained your ankle, but like you were fine. Yeah. And you you ran. You're fine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So started working with Exemplar. Mm -hmm. And then like tell me about the development of Forbes Fitness, right? Yeah. Yeah. On Instagram, otherwise known as Forbes Fitness Yogi. Mm -hmm. But like tell me about the development of creating your own business and and building that. So I've been teaching yoga since I was 18. So that's always been like a big part of my life. Also, I would always do like yoga and breath work with my dad. I think I can remember like all the way back in like elementary school doing it before catching the bus. Oh. So like it's always been like a part of me. I I just didn't know. Like because I remember when I was teaching in college, I got made fun of. And yoga wasn't cool back then. (laughs) It it is cool now. now. Like now it's really cool. And if you do yoga, you're this like peace-loving hippie. But like when I started it, it was not cool. And you were like eating twigs and berries in the forest. So I always wanted to have this like – I don't know what to say. Like yoga mindset. Like I always wanted to pull – spirituality into my personal training style without sounding like a kook. (laughs) And I want to use language that relates to people. I want to use techniques that relate to people without like deferring them or without scaring them off. Slowly, I started getting like more and more confident um, after more certifications in yoga and breath work and Um, After a bunch of different certifications, I was able to gain confidence and trust in myself that I could bring in, okay, like, I'm going to have y'all journal at least once a week. You either need to come take my yoga class or take a yoga class on YouTube or somewhere out in wherever you live at least once a week. And mindfulness, I'm sure all other trainers can attest to this, but like when you're working out, it's not just physical activity. Like they're coming in and telling you about their day and like... I think subconsciously like seeking peace and seeking clarity and seeking answers in like all aspects of their life. It's like coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so much more than just like I'm coming to you to put me through a workout. Yeah. And when you 
have the space and the freedom and the creativity and like the license to do that versus put this person through this workout, you can explore that and ultimately I think benefit people tremendously. I get like chills and my heart feels so warm when I have people come in or like just text me be like, hey, I did my meditation this morning. Thank you so much. Or like um, will send me like text messages about like how they like did in their race or like um, bought a brand new journal or just like weird, cute little. And I always take a screenshot and like put it in a folder on like days where I'm like, I suck. (laughs) It's good to have that. That's a good folder. (laughs) I I suck folder. folder. Yeah. You don't suck folder. You're fine. Yeah. Look at all this. I knew that I always wanted to, I don't like saying the word help or provide, but like I knew I always wanted to be able to give more than just physical activity. Yeah. Like you, you wanted to be, we like to use the word guide. Like you wanted to guide them on this journey. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's take it way back. Like why were you interested in starting your own business and being a personal trainer? How did you get on this? Like peel back the layers. I want to go deep into the story of why you were passionate about this. Well, I've always been into working out because I grew up with a dad that always had a home gym. I loved his lifestyle. It was always ate super healthy, always was active, like never saw him like bumming it or like. What does that mean? Like, I mean, like, I guess like, I mean, of course, like we would watch like our football games and stuff like that. But he he was just a very active dad. And like we could go on hikes on the weekends. And where'd you grow up? Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So like our small hikes, Kennesaw Mountain. But still, you had more mountains than we do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or you can like get to them a little quicker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Activity was my way of dealing with stress. And when I was in college, I started taking this yoga class from one of my friends. And they came up to me and they were like, hey, we really need another yoga instructor if we pay for your certification, which was like 600 bucks at the time, will you teach? This is going to sound bad. But once I looked up how much the certification was that they were going to give me, I was like, hell yeah, I'll do it. Let's go. You're going to pay for it? Sure. All right. Um, And that honestly was probably the push. So like I was a pre-med major. Where'd you go to school? Valdosta State University. Oh. South Georgia. South Georgia. South Georgia. (laughs) Um. Yeah, started teaching, and then they were like, "Well, will you teach spin class? Will you teach uh, this?" Cl-? And I they started. They really needed help, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> not a lot of. Active- well, it was like the it was the it was the college gym, which was beautiful, but um, yeah, they had a lot of seniors graduating. Mm, okay. Yeah, I ended up starting like teaching all these like crazy ass classes that I had no idea. Did you what teach I was Zumba? Doing. I didn't know. Oh, can't dance. Okay. Yeah. That would have been fun. Or like body pump. Remember that? I taught body pump. Yep. And I taught insanity. Oh. I taught spin. I was recently on a bachelorette trip and a couple of the girls, you know, they're Midwestern, so I'll give it to them. They do insanity. Yeah. And they like put it up on the TV and like did this whole thing. And it was like, what's the main guy's name? I don't God, Oh, I can't it's remember. like he's famous. I mean, Sean. Yeah. Sean T. Yep. Right? Sean T. And they are in these big ass baggy gym shorts in like a PE gym. And we, I just like watched them do this thing for an hour. And I remember when insanity was just like huge. It was like P90X yeah. and insanity, like mm-hmm. these VHS workouts. And I was like, is this what y'all do to work out? 
and they were just like jumping around. It's awful. Yeah, it it's looked awful. really bad. 30 minutes, like max. Like I remember when I was at East Shore Athletic Club, I taught insanity. This is how me and Maggie met. Oh. She would come to East Shore Athletic Club as a member and I was like just starting to teach insanity and I only had one girl signed up for the first class and I go up to Maggie and I'm like, you're going to come into this class with me because there's only one other girl and it's going to be great. <laughs> it's just like you facing this girl, <laughs> right? Yeah. And there's like mirroring and, each other. Yeah. So I was terrified and like didn't want to teach insanity to one person. So I like snuck up and got Maggie and she hated it and she didn't come back. Yeah. <laughs> Did the other girl come back? I don't even know. I, can, I, I couldn't even tell you what she looked like. But Maggie reminded me of that story. That's funny. The other day. Yeah. So you were kind of brought in to like first teach yoga and you're like, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So college. The strength and conditioning coach at Valdosta sought me out or maybe like one of the – I can't remember how that went down. But um, he was like, hey, I really want yoga for my football players. If that goes well, then the baseball, the softball, the soccer. And I was like, oh, it's like a full-time job. Yeah. Super intimidated to like walk into the strength and conditioning gym and there's like a hundred football guys. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is how it's going to go. Yeah. <laughs> but it was great. It was great because it was so light. Like they didn't – we didn't have to flow fast. We just – I basically had to give love to their like hamstrings and hip flexors and They just needed to like and, move. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be – it was so – they were so adorable because – like the first time, like I would take them in the savasana or something, like I, I kind of felt corny or I kind of felt like, oh my God, they're not going to enjoy this yeah. or even like be serious about this. And they would come up and just have like the greatest savasana glow face and be like, thank you so much. Like that's the first time I've like felt calm. You know, I mean, college athletes yeah. have to deal with so much stress. And the great, not the greatest, but the funniest part is they would fart all the time. Oh my God. And they were class. like, okay with it. Yeah. And so I would try so hard not to laugh. Were they laughing like, at each other though? I mean, a little bit, but I think they're so used to farting in front of each other yeah. that it's like not a thing. And so <laughs> they were just like so free. I would just like get up and like try to walk towards the back and be like, all right, lift your right leg. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, deep like, breath out don't laugh Allison don't do it and then after I started teaching for the strength and conditioning coach he was like well what are you doing with your life like what's your major <laughs> I'm like great question. I don't know I am pre-med but now I'm thinking about being Spanish so I can travel the world and like teach English to Spanish could go either way countries and he was like, well, have you ever heard about exercise physiology? And I was like, nope, what's that? And so I went and sat in on an exercise physiology class. I was like, wow. The science this of exercise. <laughs> I love this. Wow. Didn't know all the other classes, like um, the EKG and like just oh, yeah. hospital care and like all that stuff were also involved. But like the way the body moved, kinesiology, like, and like the bones and the muscles. I was obsessed with anatomy. And so I switched my major to exercise viz, got in there. And like on the first day of our class, we had to stand up, say our name and like what we were going to do with, with our major. lives, with this major. Okay. Like why were, why were yeah. we in this? And everyone was getting up and being like, 
I'm going to go on and be an exercise physiologist and get my major and work in hospitals. I'm going to, one was like, I want to be the nurse, like a cardiac nurse. Um, a few guys were wanting to be strength and conditioning coaches. Probably some PTs. Um, some PTs. Yep. And I got up and was like, I want to travel the world and teach yoga. Yeah. And that's what I want to do. And I remember my, my professor being like, oh, right, we'll get back to you. Like, that's not an option. Because back then there weren't. There like, weren't? It wasn't – I guess it wasn't as popular. Yeah. Like, I never remember, like, seeing You're right. yoga retreats yeah. or, like – I can't remember the website I used when I lived in Central America, but um, I used to use this website where I would go online and look to see, like, all right, like, what resort needs a yoga instructor? Okay, cool. I'll go there for a few weeks and then, like, get back on, find another spot. <laughs> But like yoga became this thing. And I feel like Lululemon and also like Airbnb didn't exist, you know, and now like Airbnbs and all these yoga retreats. And now it's like wellness and yoga in Mexico. I feel like and social media, like all those things combined have made, I think, yoga like really, really popular. It wasn't a career. Yeah. It's like you might teach yoga at like your local Y. Yeah. Yeah. And But that was good for me because, like, being told no, I was like, watch me. Yeah, like, I'm going to go do it. Yeah. I'm going to create a job that doesn't exist. Yeah, and then graduated, went, came and did – for us to graduate college, we had to do a six-month internship, unpaid, and I was at the Citadel because I couldn't find a yoga internship. Everyone I got – like, my professors kept denying, like, I was going to go over to Europe and teach, like, for the Olympics and, like, deny. They denied that? I know. That sounds so cool. It was – yeah. And they were like, this doesn't count. Yeah, this isn't like, how are you going to be getting like your, because we had to get credentials and we had to get time and we had to get like hours and hours and hours per week. And then I was going to do like another one, I think in like Guatemala or like down in South America. And so I was racing the clock to try to find something and they were like, well, why don't you try strength and conditioning? (laughs) And I knew a guy from high school that went and played football at the Citadel. All right, let's give this a shot. And then I started applying to hospitals because I didn't. I was like, I have to have an internship. Yeah, I got to graduate. Yeah. Um, But I did not want to do anything in the hospital. Did the internship at the Citadel and then met Joey and the – Oh, wow. Bada boom, bada bang. There you go. Simpler ethos. Yeah, here we are. are. And now you're (laughs) here on Daniel Island today. Yeah. So you talk about yoga a lot. And yoga Mm -hmm. was your your thing that you got shot down for and that – it wasn't your passion and then all of a sudden it was and like it seems like yoga has obviously really stuck with you and taught you a lot yeah. of things like what is it about yoga like why were you so why are you so passionate about yoga mm. a lot of times when we think of yoga we think of like the classes and the poses and like in sanskrit that's called asana and then when i went and did a few different certifications down in costa rica i did i just knew i wanted to go do something more into the spirituality because i just anytime they would talk about spirituality and the yoga certifications I was here in America, I'd be like, what the fucking Fruit Loops? What does that even mean? It, like, what? Get yourself out of the clouds. Like, let's live in real life. And something was just calling me when I was 27, and I, I just wanted something deeper. I wanted more connection. I wanted to know myself. And I had saved up a bunch of money, and I went to Costa Rica. That was going to be the start of, like, my year-long journey in Central America. And so when I went and did this first – 
certification, it rocked. The lady that leaded leaded the retreat really did, did an amazing job of letting me be vulnerable or showing me what vulnerability looked like and showing me that there was way more to life than like all these walls I had built. So the certification wasn't just like, all right, we're going to teach you how to do yoga. The certification was like, all right, there's going to be no mirrors. There's going to be a week of silence. There's, it's all vegan food. There's meditation every night sitting for 45 minutes where like I couldn't sit for five. There's going to be these cacao ceremonies. There's going to be all these different ceremonies where you like open up and like tell your deepest, darkest secrets if you're ready. And I'm like, what? I didn't read any of, I didn't read anything. I mean, it all says that on the website and I just didn't. I just knew I was supposed to go. (laughs) Wow. Like for you to follow that strong intuition though, like having no idea and then learning about it and being like, oh, and once I got there, I was like, mm, okay, I'm here. I saved money for this and I'm doing Whoops. it. <laughs> yeah. I remember being so annoyed with the girls because everyone one at a time, like just start would like cry, like in a beautiful releasing way. And I would just be like, what is wrong with these cuckoos? Um, and being like, I don't cry. Like I've never cried in front of anybody in public up until then. <laughs> And what broke me was a baby monkey fell out of a tree and the baby and the mom were both like yelling and crying for each other. And like we were learning Sanskrit, which is like the Indian language like that you hear in yoga. And like when you hear like Adamuka Shavasana, like all the different languages. Chaturanga. Yeah, Chaturanga. So we were literally taking like tongue class, like trying to pronounce all these words correctly. How long was this retreat? The first one was three weeks. Okay. I was like, this is more than a week. This sounds intense. The first one was three weeks. Um, Yeah. And the baby fell out of the tree and I just lost it. And like, I was cool, calm, like nothing's going to break me. Like, and I lost it and ran back to my room and was just like the ugliest biggest cry I've ever let out and one of my instructors Ryan came and like held me I didn't know what the hell was going on I was like I don't know why I'm crying like I don't know <laughs> like um, shaking and like you oh, can't get it out yeah oh I mean just good news is the baby was held up and the mom took it back um so great into the story but after that I was like holy shit I do have some stuff to work through. Um, yeah, you got monkey problems. I got some I got some baggage with some monkeys. <laughs> what did the monkeys ever do to you? <laughs> I'm sorry, monkey. So after that moment, I was like, all right, I'm going to be – I'm going to try to be vulnerable and I'm going to try to dive into whatever is going on. And damn, it was so hard. It was – is the most challenging thing I've ever done, but I loved it so much that I ended up going on a silent retreat. So that was like three weeks, I think, in like September. And then I went on like a week and a half silent retreat with her in January. And then like, I think maybe like a year and a half or a year later, I came back and did a six or seven week certification. Oh, wow. You were like craving it after that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, because I had never been that way. Like not to say anything bad about my parents but it was always like buck up like be strong like work hard work just hard. do it yeah yeah next yeah um life is hard let's yeah. keep going yeah um and yeah through different stuff that's happened in my life I got really good at like building walls and like keeping distance so like even like family friends relationships 
Um, I all had at like a hand or an arm length distance and I always had like one foot out the door. And that was just my protective mechanism. Um, what do you feel like you were protecting yourself from? Being left. Yeah. My parents were divorced. Oh boy. I think when I was like six or seven, maybe even five. And then I watched my dad <laughs> go through four, three more divorces. Oh wait, two more divorces. And then he lost his um, last wife last New Year's. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's been a weird, but he's doing good. He's doing, this is actually her sweater. Oh. So like, yeah, I wear her stuff to honor her. But yeah, so saw a lot of um, like growing up, I didn't really see love and relationship as something good. Like I only saw that sucks or like that can hurt you. That can hurt you. And like, I remember, I can vividly remember at 12 years old, sitting down with myself and being like, looking in the mirror and being like, you're never going to marry. Like you're going to be on your own. You're going to own your own business. You're, you're going to own your own farm and you're going to travel the world. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and I can remember looking back into my white wickered mirror and like seeing little 12 year old Allie do that and had no idea that I was like setting myself up for extreme failure. But also it gave me drive. Like I love that part of me and I love being independent. And since 27, like I've slowly like peeled back those layers of being so harsh and being so cold. Um, and being a better friend, being a better daughter, being a better sister, being a better partner, for sure. Um, yeah. I like that you said that you love that part of you, too. I, like, I think honoring both is important because, like, it, it just comes with an edge. Like, it's just a double-edged sword of, like, there's so many good things that that got you. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's some bad things that yeah. it got you. And, like, that's just life. Yeah. But at least you took the time and the energy to figure out that maybe the way that maybe you were experiencing some downsides from it. Maybe it was, it had helped you, which I think a lot of people can resonate to like anxiety, like anxiety can help you perform and drive and work hard and, and do great things and improve. But there's such an edge to it when that's it. That's, that's all you do when it was like, I'm going to be independent and I'm never going to get married and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Like, great. That, those are amazing things. But like, what, like you said, like what walls did that make you put up to like not let you potentially enjoy this other part of your life that you had just never considered giving to yourself? Yeah. Once I like started to date guys that I could see a future with, like, I mean, I would run out that door as fast as I could. <laughs> and I thought that was healthy. I thought I was being strong. I thought I was... You were choosing you. Yeah. Empowerment. Yeah. And like, yeah. And I'm, I mean, like going through therapy and going through a lot of those yoga certifications and um, meeting myself in the mirror and doing the hard work, sitting in silence. Oh, my God. Meeting myself and listening to myself, trusting myself um, were very hard. was very hard. <laughs> But I, yeah, I remember when I turned 30, I'm about to turn 32. When I turned 30, like something within me just switched. And I was like, holy shit, like, I don't want to be alone forever. I do want to have a partner. And the weirdest thing that I never thought I would ever say, I was like, oh my God, I think I might want to have a kid. I was like, oh, like, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> 
once I started having those feelings, then I started thinking like, what's wrong with me? Why am I having those feelings? Yeah. Am I having that baby fever that everyone talks about? Like, no, I'm not. I will not be succumbing to that. (laughs) This is just the fever. It's just contagious. Yeah. It'll go away. It's a virus. Yeah. And then I like had some people come into my life that really showed me how magical and how cool that part of my life that I kept the door closed on for 30 years. Um, Yeah, how much magic I was missing out on. Yeah, but potentially like you were, before that, like you might not have been ready for it. No, oh no, I had to, okay, here we go. So I had to love myself and I did not, I I put a lot of pressure on myself. Like, and I just remember being in this spot where like, why don't I love myself? Like what, like why do I think I, suck so much or why do I think I'm such a bad person and it was like stuff that I had been through and like I could like logically like be like yeah you're whoa you did a lot of shitty things to a lot of really good people and going through the hard work and realizing that like I made choices in my life with at the time the best that I could like looking out for myself was a big thing I was I was very selfish because that's all I knew to protect and I like burned people along the way. But I think most of that came from not loving myself. And like, I really didn't even know that was a choice. Like I didn't like, oh, love yourself. Like that's egotistical. Like I remember like being super tomboy because like I never wanted to dress up and get girly because then fell into like vanity or like then I fell into like what everybody else had to do yeah you've like clearly like done a lot of work on this too yeah I tried to go through my diaries and find the date and I couldn't find it so I know it's been over a year since I um have made myself throw up and you're doing great okay so I've battled eating disorder body dysmorphia probably since I was 12 I was raped when I was 12 um, by another kid in the neighborhood. And I think that just took me to a, a completely different, I didn't know. That's when I think I like really started building walls and really not ever wanting to lean on anybody else and making sure that I didn't need anybody. And like I, anything that I wanted to do, I was going to do it and I was going to conquer it. Um, and never would I ever like depend on a man. <laughs> Um, and yeah, like after that and like divorce, like I didn't really know what I was doing. I don't know how old you are. I guess that's okay. Yeah. Seventh grade. Um, but I would like start to like skip meals cause it was something I could control and I would start to, I would like self harm with an eraser and I would like rub it on my skin until it would burn. <laughs> And I didn't know what I was, I didn't know what I was doing. Cause like back then, like you didn't have the internet. You didn't have these TV shows that were like showing what was happening. And my mom had me and my younger sibling in therapy, like our whole lives through at like after the divorce. Cause we have so much mental health issues on both my mom and my dad's side. Like they should do an HBO special. It's, HBO special. A yeah. documentary. A limited yes. series. Yeah. Here. Yeah. But like my dad's dad committed suicide and then on my mom's 
side of the family. She's one out of eight for committed suicide. Schizophrenia, bipolar, uh, my older sister's bipolar. Um, just There's just a lot. And so my mom was like, all right, here we go. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go talk to this person and <laughs> fix your <shit>. yourself. <laughs> Release your burdens. Yeah. <laughs> So like therapy was like always like something that was in my life. And like I like I can remember making like a deal with my younger sibling. Like I hated this one lady that we went to. Um, and I was like, okay, we're going to go in there and tell her that the devil's making us do all this stuff. And we went in and we just told this lady the most like outlandish stories and she fired us. Oh, my God. <laughs> How old were you? Young. Oh, my God. We were young. Like, I can remember, like, the toys that she had. Like, so, like, I still wanted to play with toys. Like, that's Like, all. that young. Yeah. And you came up with this story? Oh, yeah. That's kind of impressive. Why did she fire you? An elaborate liar. Yeah. She said that sh- she couldn't help us. Yeah. Like, she was either, like, Some, <laughs> this is crazy and you need, like, an exorcist or, yes. like, you're not telling me the truth and you're just trying to get out of this. Yeah. But, like, as a therapist in that moment, like, what do you do? You know, like, what does she I do? Don't even, I don't know. I couldn't even tell you exactly. I just remember, like, the devil made me do it. Like, I yeah. can remember saying, <laughs> or coming up with a scheme. So then did you go to therapy after that? Yeah, of course. They, my yeah. mom found an, a new one. Um, and then I was with different therapy, with different therapists, like, all through high school was a little iffy. I believe in middle school, my one of my older cousins came to live with us. Um, so he was, like, having an older brother around. He was an alcoholic. And I just... I remember in high school, like a lot of, I, I blocked out a lot of stuff. Like my, my, um, another def, like defense mechanism I created for myself, uh, was to just block out and forget. So like details are hard for me, but, um, depression and anxiety and all that whatnot, like it, it was pretty rough in high school. And then like going to college and like trying to find like a therapist down there and like having, like I hated having to tell my story all over again. Mm-hmm. Like just like restart. Yeah. yeah. Like here I am. At what point? point in therapy like did you fully open up like had you been opening up this way or was it like after the the walls came crashing down then it was final oh therapy was successful yeah okay. after 27 okay before then i was just telling the checklist yeah all right yeah i was assaulted at 12 had an eating disorder since then i am okay with it right now lying yeah. like i'm fine i'm fine i'm, I'm fine. fine oh i'm just exercising eight hours a day because I'm a triathlete, but like also making myself throw up and like the way circle back. But that's where yoga changed my life. The ability to go inward and actually like have conversation with myself in meditation, being able to like fucking go to different planets in meditation, just like all these things that I never, ever, I was way too scared to be myself. I was way too scared to see not the darkness, but the um, maybe the broken and shattered or like unloved or unacknowledged, unacknowledged parts of myself. I was, yeah, terrified. Once that world was open to me, I knew I would never go back. And then 27 really to like 31, like 27 to 30 was rough because then once the gates are open, what do you do? You just dig deeper. What did you do? What did that look like? Three different yoga certifications, a silent retreat, sitting, like in medit like I sat in meditation every single day, I think for like 45 minutes for years. A lot of crying, a lot of um because that also was fucking COVID. Um, oh yeah, you're right. Like I remember like coming back 
to the United States and like being like, oh my God, I'm enlightened. Yeah. Ah, yes, I'm, I made it happen. I'm back. And then the world and the universe have a very funny sense of humor and was like, smack. Nope. Shut down. Yeah. I love the fact that it happened because like, obviously it's a lifelong journey in that like 27 to 28 um, age. Like once I got it, then I'm done. You checked it off. I checked it off. I'm done with that phase. Yeah. How high can you go? And uh, realizing that it was something that you work at and put love towards and it doesn't have to be, yes, sometimes it's exhausting and sometimes it's scary as fuck and sometimes you don't even know what to do. But other times it's like a bubble bath and like walking in the woods with your bare feet. I made it super complicated for like the first two years because I thought I had to do like all these things because then I was going to become this like spiritual healer. And that was just my ego and like my business brain and like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. I have to use this and then turn it into my career and be perfect at it and teach other people how to do Mm -hmm. it. And I can't have anything wrong with me and nothing is wrong with me and nothing's ever been wrong with me and I'm just this light. Yeah. When did you figure that out? (laughs) That that wasn't happening? Uh, 30. Okay. What happened at 30? 30. Pivotal Um, year. 30 was like in the realm of COVID. And that's when my music career, it went from being like a little cover band. Oh, we play some of our originals at like bars to like actually being on stages and like singing songs that I've written and that I'm passionate about and like letting loose on stage and like being this being that I've always embodied myself and always seen myself as, but I was like way too scared to tap into. And so, yeah, that all taught me like how cool and how pretty and how awesome imperfections were. Um, and I, I loved learning like, okay, I don't want to be somebody that like sits there and says, I can help you. I can be the person that's like, Like, I can guide you through this. Like, I can, like, I want to give, it went from like, oh, I can help all my clients to the language of, um, I'm going to now, I'm going to give you these tools and you're going to figure it out. I'm going to help you navigate this. I'm not going to, yeah. But like, you're navigating this. Yeah. I'm not fixing you. Yeah. I'm not making you an incredible human. I'm giving you tools. To almost like realize it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And fully believe it. Because I feel like so often, like, you believe that about your clients. Like, we believe that. Like, you're amazing. And, like, you know, you we see things differently Mm -hmm. than they do. Mm -hmm. Which I'm sure, like, all of our therapists see. They're like, what? Like, you're amazing. And we're like, oh, I suck. But they, like, they don't see it. And that's what matters. It doesn't matter if other people are telling you if you really don't believe it yourself. Yeah. It's so beautiful to look back through, like, my journals and pictures and to see, like, when I was in like the deepest shit and like the darkest and like never had social anxiety in my life and like going through social anxiety, like, um, and like being scared for people to see me and like thinking I was like so fat and like just, um, not being able to get dressed to like being able to look in the mirror and being like, I love you. And like the way my training style and the way I was able to be present with clients, open to my friends and like letting friends like actually be friends and like letting partners like actually in. It was the coolest transformation I've gone through thus far. (laughs) Thus far. What's next? You're a butterfly. It's just going to be more. (laughs) How do you feel like you live 
differently now than before you uncovered this and started to love yourself. Like you described like letting people in and looking in the mirror, like, but what does that really look like? And like, what does that require of you to do differently in your life? Slow down. Yeah, I was such a go-getter and like I never wanted to have any issues with money. I never wanted to depend on anybody. It was like, go, go, go. How much can I work? How much can I, if I'm not working hard, somebody else is going to come take it from me. Like all that, like the fitness industry, especially, and I'm sure in other career paths, um, that masculine energy of like, go, 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 work, 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 thrive, be busy. Oh, you're only successful if you're busy. You're only living your best life if you're busy. Um, and learning abundance. So slowing down and learning that I had anything I could ever want and learning that I could create a life where I didn't have to work 12 hours a day. And so it's like at least once a day, I take time, whether I'm driving in the car or in between clients or getting ready in the morning to just um, slow down and think like, what am I grateful for? And um, laughing at myself and like realizing that it's cool to be like, oh, I'm, ha- I'm, a- I'm grateful for me. And that's not egotistical and it's not selfish. Um, learning that self-love. Um, every single day in the mirror, I look um, into my left eye in the mirror and I say, I'm so beautiful and I love you. Um, Why the left eye? So the left eye is connected to your heart. Okay. It's like, I have to ask that. Like, people and are like, going to want to okay, know. In yoga, like, the left side of your body is the feminine side, and the right side of your body is the masculine okay, side. Okay, yeah. Just with energies. Yeah. A big thing that I'll, like, I catch myself, like, if I, like, look in the mirror and don't see something I like when I'm at the gym, um, like, everything is temporary. Every thought's temporary. Um, every bad hair day is temporary. <laughs> the weather is temporary. The weather's temporary. The pants don't fit today, temporary. That was, like, a huge way for me to let go of like the pressure of being this perfect trainer and being this perfect class instructor, especially at ethos where everything is like super pretty and bougie. You think everyone else around you is perfect. Yeah. When like everyone else around you also struggles. Yeah. Yep. And um, yeah. So just taking the time to tell myself I'm human, to tell myself I love you, um, to slow down, to um, having boundaries. Boundaries have helped me to slow down. Um, instead of saying yes to every single client, like on Mondays, I'm done by 2 p.m. And like, that's good. Yeah. I think the hardest thing, it's funny because every time I'm like, I'm working on this, then I bring people on the podcast and they're like, you need to slow down. And I'm like, okay, got it. Like, <laughs> thanks, loud and clear. And then there's those days where you're like, why am I not stressed today? Why am I not super busy? Like, why did I have a gap to eat lunch? Like, what, what happened? And you're like, wait, I told myself I wanted to be done by two today. Or I told myself Mm -hmm. I wanted to go work in a coffee shop today. And now I'm stressed because of it. Because it's just your default Mm -hmm. is to be full and packed and busy that now it feels wrong to not be. I think that that's, I want to say that would be, but that is currently like the hardest thing for me is wanting to slow down. But then if I ever actually do slow down, it's like, nope, speed back up. This feels wrong. Well, and I think a lot of that is social pressure and then the pressure that we put on ourselves, especially like 
as a as a woman, like owning our as our owning our own business, you know, yeah. like we have to work even just the little extra minute, you know, to prove that we're worthy. Also getting older, like it being cool and it being strong to create that boundary. And then also like, of course, like when you first start slowing down, you're not used to it. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It's the harder thing. It's like, oh my God, like you said, like this is wrong. But like with anything, you know, the more you practice at it, the easier it gets and the more natural it becomes. Yeah. How did you, because obviously like it, it's a lifelong journey. Like it takes a lot of work. I know it didn't start with all of those changes. How did you just start to plug in? I don't even want to say plug in because it sounds like it's extra. Like, how did you start to slow down? What was your first thing that you're like, I need to change this about my life? Mm -hmm. Or does it need to be like this, an overhaul? (laughs) Okay. So what I first did is I started making lists and I was like, I also went to school for Ayurveda. So that- For what? Ayurveda. Ayurveda is the ancient teachings of nutrition. Oh, mm-hmm. I did not know that. Um, so it goes along a lot with yoga. Okay. So yoga comes from India and like Ayurveda is also Sanskrit. Okay. Eating with the seasons, like eating salads during the summer because they're fresh and crisp and eating soup in the winter because you're getting your root vegetables because that's when they grow and like super simple stuff, but I would always make stuff overly complicated. So like I would have like, I remember this is how much I definitely needed to slow down, but like I would have my face wash routine written down and then my night, like the morning and then what I would do at night and then like waking up and getting my meditation in and sipping my tea and then doing my breath work. Like I had like a a whole checklist of shit that I wanted to do. And I wasn't taking anything out. So I was like learning all these different tools. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to take all these yeah. tools and then I'm going to be the best. And I'm, I'm going to be the best at it. I'm going to be perfect my checklist at it. of the day of all I'm going to do plus everything I've already been doing, working 12 hours. <laughs> I'm um, going to slow down. <laughs> and none of that happened. Yeah. None of that happened. And um, my boyfriend at the time – I just remember him always like being like, you work too much. And I, when I would hear that, I would just big old wall and be like, what? Like I'm running my own business. Like I'm doing this so that I can slow down when I'm 40 or 50. And like the rat race of like work, 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 retire, die, retire and die. So getting help from him, having better communication with him of like, okay, like saying you work too much, I'm not like coming after you. Like, it's just like when like you get off work and then you're like working on computer or you're working on schedule or you're working on your retreat or like blah, 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 like good bajillion things. So I, I really had to know my worth. The biggest thing I did was like, I stopped working evenings because as a trainer and I'm sure like as a PT, we start at five or 6 a.m. every morning, but then we train all those people all day long. And then I thought I had to train the people that got off work. Yeah. So then it was like six to eight people. Oof. Yeah. Because you're trying to get all of the people. Uh Uh-huh. And like have that like little chunk in the afternoon where you have like one or two hours. And what do you do? I don't know. Do you nap? Do you eat? Do you work out? Um, Yeah. Do you spend more time at your workplace? You probably want to like get the hell out of there. Yeah. Yeah. That was the biggest gift I gave myself, I think, was not working. Like after, I think it was like my last client would be at four and I started there. Um, And then slowly I've um, like not taking on new clients when I know I can't, ending my days at two. (laughs) But it's like, 
listen, like I start at 5 a.m., okay? But the fact <laughs> that you feel like you have to justify it. I know, like, right? Um, and then like once you get off, like, all right, now like you better go like mow the lawn. Yeah. Like, okay, now you got to get like your house taxes in line. Make sure your business license <laughs> is renewed. There's all right, now work. you're going to go to band practice and write a new song. It's just working less gave me the ability to do stuff that I wanted to do more, to give myself more free time to sit on the couch. Like I remember like never having the opportunity to just sit in Netflix. Yeah. What? Like I shouldn't be doing that. I should be reading. Mm. Yeah. A lot of shoulds. Yeah. And then like, like now being like, Oh yeah, I have the morning to read or meditate or journal or do nothing. Like I love, there's a lot of moments now where I love just doing nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It started with working less hours. Like putting the boundary there. Yep. And then like being comfortable with not filling it with more work, but just like being. Yeah. Because the responsibilities of adult are endless. Exactly. Like the to-do list like will literally never end. No. So you can always be trying mm-hmm. and it will never end either way, you know? something else will get added. Oh, always. <laughs> something else is always added. I have no idea how like all my clients and friends that are parents, I'm just like, wow. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. I don't- Talk to me about music because okay. you mentioned it a little bit, but I want to know where that fits along this journey. Yeah. <sighs> music is my love. Music is my outlet. Music is a form of meditation. Music helped me really regain my confidence like after like the first year of COVID. So I've always sang, like sung in church growing up, sung in a band in high school and college. And then when I moved to Charleston, started our band now is Rooks and Raven. We used to be called Lost Tribe. Um, When did you change your name? Yeah, sorry. Dumb. (laughs) We had to change our name because there's another Lost Tribe out there and they're like an EDM DJ. (laughs) this is like i thought you were lost tribe and lost tribe is the coolest name and it's not like we're going anywhere outside of charleston like just let us be like let us just have this did they like email you and they're like sorry yeah we're gonna sue you yeah wow okay so rooks and raven got it rooks and raven and we used to just play at um smaller venues we used to be like a bar band I remember being like getting nervous before we would go and sing. I remember like being very intimidated. I remember being like, I like, I remember feeling like I didn't belong on stage. Like I remember feeling like corny for singing some of the songs. And then during COVID, we got the opportunity to play at this place called Tobin's Market. Yeah. 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 And I just remember being like, that's where I saw you. Oh, really? That's the one I was referring to. <sighs> that you, you were just like, Doing the thing. And I was like, this is so cool. So that was probably the first time I let loose. Yeah. And I I just remember being like, I want to be this badass singer. Like, I know I'm this badass singer. I know I can, like, have fun up there. Like, I, I want to move and I want to sing and I want to sound like I want to. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I don't want to sing songs I don't fucking like. I don't want to do pop. I want to do gritty, bluesy, like gnarly dirty rock um and yeah after that time at tobin's i was like this is this is our band this now. is it yeah this and is then we got do. opportunities to do royal american and poorhouse and it wasn't like we were trying to book a gig like every single weekend at a bar where we play covers like this was like our show so i mean it i mean i dress up in the nines and put crazy ass makeup on do my hair crazy wear crazy ass outfits and just 
put it all out. Like, I mean, I am soaked after a concert. Like, <laughs> I bet. Completely yeah. soaked, makeup running down my face, but it is the funnest. It's the most fun. Like, it's the girl that I've hidden and it's the girl mm-hmm. that I like dimmed my light um, because I didn't want to intimidate others. And then once I was like, okay, that's not serving you. It's not egotistical to be awesome. <laughs> it's, it's actually really empowering. Yeah. I remember um, if you said her name that like a couple of your clients were there and it, it was the first one. It was like Allison's at Tobin's. It was when Tobin's was new. They had an amazing burger that was like Elliot's favorite and all of Ethos was there and we went. And I was like, this is my role model. This is my (laughs) dream. She, cause I assumed like, that's just what you always did. Like little did I know. So it's cool hearing like that was the first time. And Mm -hmm. you have a client and their sisters. Oh, Seabrick and Harriet. Yes. And they were with their mom. (laughs) Yeah. And they were right next to the stage and they were just getting it. They were dancing. They were singing. They knew all your songs and they like they looked so empowered. And then I later like learned a little bit about Seabrook and like I see them at the gym and just like, I was like, this woman is amazing. And like, I feel empowered, inspired. Like they obviously do too. And it was just so like dimming your light actually wasn't serving anything. Like you thought, oh, I don't Mm -hmm. want to be intimidating. Like I shouldn't be loud. I shouldn't be um, bright. I shouldn't be crazy, whatever. But it was actually really inspiring and empowering for everyone to, to see that. Yeah. Yeah, it being on stage and performing and I didn't really know. I just knew how it made me feel and I felt fantastic and I felt confident and I felt self-love. But it wasn't until I was told by a few people like, hey, like, do you know how like empowerful and impactful you are? Because I thought like the only way I empowered people was like in the gym. Mm hmm. Like not from singing and being, because in the sense that's super vulnerable too. Oh like, yeah, I'm gonna shake my butt in like a bodysuit in front of my mom's always there. You were wearing a skirt and there was something purple. It might have been your hair. Something like I remember. I was like, I want to wear that outfit on stage. But like singing <laughs> is like showing your voice, like showing especially yeah. like if you're writing original music, like mm-hmm. it's very vulnerable to show that to people and open yeah. that to people. And like being able to be vulnerable and like a lot of the music now that I've been writing is about I really am talking to the woman and I really am talking about like how to live your best life and how to empower yourself. And if I can do that just by like shaking my butt on stage and like singing and headbanging to Led Zeppelin, like let's fucking go. That's the way to do it. That's preferred. <laughs> you don't need like, to see like- you on my tour. Let's yeah. go. It's like, no, you need to go to Harvard. You need to be a CEO. No, you just need to shake your butt on stage and like bring your friends. And then they're like the ripple effect will happen from there. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was amazing. So it's cool to hear the story behind it. What do you feel like is something that you wish that just like everyone knew and understood that if you're like, if I could embody this and other people can learn it? What would that thing be? You can do anything you set your mind to. Absolutely anything. Um, and I know people will try to pick that apart, but anything that you want to accomplish, you can do. And just like my examples are like starting my own business. I remember like supplementing bartending. I didn't want to bartend anymore while being a personal trainer, leaving the country for a year and living out of a backpack and on no money. (laughs) Different races that I've done, like triathlons, the 28 mile ruck run, writing my own music and having it on Spotify, having a music video, 
singing on Royal American stage, singing on Poorhouse stage. Like those are, those were all things that I thought were untouchable. And then as soon as I took that jump, I took that cliff dive. There it was. There was, it was the, everything. Was the cliff dive the monkey? Yeah. What was it about the monkey? Was it just like so emotional and sad oh, that you like God, finally opened just, up? I mean, you were animals like, have my heart. Yeah. I went to college. Like I didn't even say this. I went to college to be a marine biologist and then like had a professor be like, you don't have the grades. And I was like, okay. okay. Pre-med. <laughs> oh, then I'll, come. I'll just but be a doctor. I... <laughs> yeah. I was a little lost. I think the monkey was just like, I love animals so much. And to hear a mom crying for her baby and I think me just being like, no, I don't cry. Like, what are all these weirdos doing? Like, crying, opening up. Like, while they were just, like, having an amazing time crying and being so vulnerable. And, like, when you finally realize that, you're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I want to cry all the time. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'll cry at, like, the dumbest stuff now. Like, I would – I, like, never understood, like, how people could cry at, like, movies or, like, be, like – there's a Publix um, commercial that is like the dad and the daughter and like Elliot looked over at me and I was just like, I can't handle it. And he was like, that, that's what got you. And it was just like a dad's dads and daughters. Like that gets me uh-huh, and just like yeah. sad dads that also, you know, mm. like, oh yeah. So I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I love tapping into that femininity, that softer side. There's so much. There's so much there. There's so much good songwriting material. Um, there's so many more hugs. Mm. I love to hug now. I used to not. Yeah. Don't touch me. <laughs> but now I love hugs. Big, Big hugger. Bear hugs. Yeah. What's something, last question, that you're looking to focus on or improve this year? Mm. So music. Um, haven't been able to sing since August. I got vocal polyps. I go back to the ENT February 21st in a few weeks to get scoped again. You haven't been able to sing? No. Oh, my God. Oh, no. It's been – like, on the outside, I look like I'm doing great, but that that also was a lot of moving through depression, a lot of moving through um, identity crisis um, and losing my confidence. Yeah. Because, like, when I'm at the gym, it's like, I don't know what the hell my hair's doing. No makeup, sweatpants, sweatshirt. Like, whoa. Like, with that homeless trainer, you know? <laughs> that girl that, like, never brushes oh, her you're hair. you're the homeless trainer. Ah, yeah. And then, like, yeah, because, like, so most of our members have no idea that I see. So, like, you, like when you're having, like, a bad day or, like, where you don't, like, oh, I'm not the prettiest today. Like, I just want to be, like, you should see me on stage. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, you know, when I didn't, when I didn't have that opportunity since August, like, it, I had to do a lot of internal work of, like, what does beauty mean to me? Um, you are beautiful every single day. I am beautiful. Um, it's also, like, the way to express yourself. And I think, like, yeah feel feelings like there's something about a sad song and then there's something about singing or playing a sad song that you're like why am I loving this but I'm crying and it's sad because you can finally like you can feel it you can you you get to feel it Mm -hmm. and so like when it comes to expressing yourself and expressing emotions like I I understand like not being able to have that yeah something that you always have had it's been hard. The first few months of it, I didn't do shit and I just stayed depressed and I like didn't want to be around music, didn't go see live music, didn't do anything. Once I finally got out of that funk, now I've been writing and it's crazy because I haven't written. I mean, besides like one or two songs, three songs a year, I haven't like written, written 
since like 2018. I'm tapping into that right now, tapping into practicing the guitar, but like something that I'm focusing on this year is definitely, I want to release a solo album. Um, I want Ricks and Raven to keep playing and releasing new music videos, releasing new recordings, play at some badass stages. Also a side project that I'm working on, like it's going to be like more bluesy rock. Um, I want us to have our first show. So it's like, I'll get scoped February 21st. I'll get on the surgery schedule. As soon as I can have surgery, it's like three months out from there. And then I'll start, like, I think like after I have surgery, I can't speak for one week. Talk about silent. You should plan. Well, do, do you have to talk on your silent retreat? Mm -hmm, yeah. You should go on a silent retreat. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be like the easiest thing in the world. Yep. Yeah. That'd be really hard. You're do like, you have like vocal rehab? Yeah. So okay. once after the surgery is done, then I think it's like two to three times a week. Yeah. Because um, it's like talking, you know, mm -hmm. like. Yeah. Learning to talk again and being I, like, I have no idea what it's going to entail. Anything hard or anything I know I'm about to do, I don't ever go through the details ahead of time. Yeah. I just like to get there and be like, okay. Because like if I go through the details, like I don't know that. I guess would give me anxiety or I would think too much about it. Like I just try gonna to be, be worried. as present as possible. Like I can talk right now and I can write music right now. All right. Like once I have the surgery, my boyfriend is so excited about the week that I can't talk. No, <laughs> that is the worst. No, you're just going to have like a, a little, jokes. like a whiteboard. Mm -hmm. Just like aggressively. You're just, he's going to get so many texts from you. That's what I would do. I would just like sit on my computer and just. Oh yeah. Every minute. This is your payback. Oh man, that would be hard. Um, but no, I'm. I mean, I'm excited. I cannot wait to sing again. I already bought my outfit. It's gonna be ridiculous. Oh my god, give us some teasers. What does it look um, like? And where is, where are you singing for the first time? We or is don't this know. Just like I'm. We don't know. Saving We've, this. Yeah, I've um I've emailed a few places just to be like, hey, like this is because I don't know when I'm gonna be okay, but I'm I'm thinking it's gonna be around August, September when we'll be able to sing again. So I've emailed a few music venues to be like, hey, can we can we tentatively have yeah. a date? comeback show? Yeah, we'll be back ready to rock new material, new songs that nobody's heard, new music videos, uh, and more headbangs. Obviously. <laughs> where do you get the outfits? God, like, everywhere. Shop? Amazon for some crazy stuff. Yeah. Like I got this like feathered bodysuit. Amazing. I don't know. Instagram, they're always listening to us, our yeah. phones. Oh, Oops. I'm going to get feathered bodysuits yeah. now and it's going to be great. <laughs> it's honestly pretty useful. So Instagram will pop up with like crazy, like, I don't know, like something like, oh, I was about to say Lost Tribe, like One Tribe, like just weird random clothing lines. I just ordered a few from like a rave clothing yeah. there's this place in north charleston that's like vintage like a vintage store secondhand store that i've gotten a few things from who is your like musical inspiration so not to be basic but definitely stevie nicks yeah i I, mean, I was like white you witch. are stevie nicks like Ugh. stevie had my heart from the get-go college i was introduced to grace potter saw yeah. her for the first time at bonnaroo and i was like yeah. Love Sarah Bareilles songwriting. Mm, Don Henley. Favorite song ever. Like this is on the radio. You will never even try to find another radio station. If you hear this, like this is what you're listening to. Maybe Gold Dust Woman by Fleetwood Mac. Mm. I mean, you only get one. That's got to be it. Yeah. That's the one. That's it. Gold Dust Woman. Gold Dust I'm Woman. I'm going to go listen to that. <laughs> 
Allison, I can't thank you enough for mm-hmm. being so open, so vulnerable, and also so like full of joy. And so just like willing to share your story. Like I know that it's it's really hard, but I'm really, really grateful for this conversation. I'm really grateful for you. And I'm really grateful that you were so willing to, to be raw with us. So thank yeah. you so much. Absolutely. Y'all don't get to see all the hand gestures and all the sweat in the chair, but. But there was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Allison. Thank you. Please subscribe to the show. Episodes are out every Monday. Otherwise, have a great week, Charleston. Charleston.